Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, a podcast about strategy games. I am Len. I am your host for this week. And I am joined by freelance writer and RPS columnist Sin Vega. Welcome back to the show. Hi there. And I believe your first time on the show, we also have a freelance writer, Dominic Terrison. Hey, hey, hey. And we are gathered here to talk about one of the one of the great uh, uh, long distance sequels, I guess, in uh, in the world of tactics games, Jagged Alliance Three. Um, when did the when did JA Two came come out? Was that nineteen ninety nine? Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I cannot remember when the first one came out, but everyone talks about two anyway because it's just better in pretty much every way. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they did some like little like spin-off stuff in the meantime there was like yeah. a ds game oh i didn't know about um, that yeah um there was I didn't some even... i remember with the originals there was a kind of fallout fallout tactic situation where there were kind of expansion packs slash spin-off things that weren't very well received because they were like a, a portion of the game rather than the whole thing again but um yeah i wasn't yeah. about the ds one all of the um, standalone expansions were by um, different studios as well, I believe. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I, once again, revealing that I'm like the baby of 3MA, <laughs> I didn't actually play Jacket Alliance 2. Oh, I've just been hearing for years that it is one of the best tactics games of all time. Um, kind of like how I didn't get into XCOM until the Firaxis XCOMs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went back and played the old, the original UFO defense, but oh, that must have um, been interesting. Um, as in like, yeah, what, how, how actually, what was that like? Cause I mean, that sounds like a really weird question to ask, but seeing that from the other direction is, um, I can only imagine how impenetrable UFO must be. Sorry, the original XCOM UFO in the EU and yeah. Yeah. It is always interesting when you go, but especially to see how far, UX design has come mm-hmm, in yeah. in strategy games, especially uh, since the nineties. Um, but uh, the early, like, that was like ninety four, wasn't it? Which was yeah. yeah there were no really early. there were no good UIs back then. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah it's it come a long way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll get into like sort of the differences and and like the legacy of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for somebody who has never heard of it before, uh, Sin, do you want to talk about what Jagged Alliance is and I guess more specifically, what is Jagged Alliance 3? Yeah, so the series as a whole, um, to be honest, most things you can say about the the third, the first two games apply to the third, which I think we'll get to is why, partly why we're also pleased with it. But let's just say the series is open world guerrilla warfare. It's turn-based but you've got a a strategic map which is divided into sectors around which you send mercenaries. And when you encounter enemies, you explore that little map sector. And then if you, once you see each other, it becomes a turn-based fight and you know, you need to kill everyone. But what makes it stand out apart from that, that open world thing in which you can approach and conquer them out any way you see fit is a couple of things. One is that your people are mercenaries. They're not soldiers. You don't hide them and then they're yours forever. They're people you have to pay. I mean, there are exceptions, but the vast majority of people are people you have to pay, which means you have to manage their salaries. You have to keep your income coming, not because if you run out of money, then it's harder, but because if you run out of money, your people will leave. That's it. You can't do anything. 
But the other thing, um, apart from a really robust simulation in the turn-based shooting, which is really important, but another thing that really helped to stand out was that all of the mercenaries are unique. Not in that they're procedurally generating them, you know, random numbers all over the place, but they're all custom built with a specific personality and often unique traits, um, if not unique and uncommon traits. Not just in terms of they might be a very good sniper or they might be they might have a perk that makes them faster at bandaging someone who gets wounded, but in that they have a personality. Even though they're, they're quite straightforward characters, you know, they're one note, two note at best, they were distinct and they interacted with each other. They had opinions about things and about each other, which meant you didn't just have to manage them um, in terms of where they're going, but you have to manage who's working with who, who, who pairs well, not just because their numbers match up, but because, well, you can't have them in the same place together because they'll argue. And you, these two should team up because they like each other and they work better together. And there are lots of um, things following from that. As you go around the map, you discover various secrets and events that can change depending on which characters you've got on your team. So it's this really rich mix of really strong strategic and tactical systems interacting with a, something that has a lot of personality. And it's you know an earlier, fairly early example or um, for the original in any case of just something that is fundamentally both a strategy game and a really strong RPG. Yeah, that's the part of it that um, that I think kind of caught me the most uh, when I originally played the demo for the the preview version. Uh, it was like almost immediately I tried to hire a steroid who is like a he's like a Duke Nukem kind of dude. <laughs> he's like a big but like he he's a big buff guy who punches people. And then uh, Fox, who I guess is supposed to be sort of like the femme fatale. Mm. And she's like, no, I'm not I'm not working with that guy. And I was like, oh, OK, so there is there's some there's some character development here. Um, mm. Which is, you know, that's that's like my sweet spot is when you you add like characters and like character interpersonal interaction to what is a, a fairly crunchy tactics game uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, so it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hitting on all all cylinders for me. Um, Dominic, how, did, how did you get in this? Series? Yeah, oh, go that ahead. particular interaction. Um, you can actually have Fox um, join you with steroid in the group if you get Grizzly first because she loves Grizzly. Oh, and really? I didn't try that. For him overrides her hatred of, of steroids. <laughs> <laughs> There's a similar thing where I believe I had Meltdown on my team, who, as a side note, I loved in the second game but couldn't stand in the third game. But if you have Meltdown on your team and then you try to hire MD, he will say, oh, she's mean to me. Um, I'm essentially, <laughs> I will work with you, but it's going to cost you more which I thought that's new to the third game because normally in the second they just refuse to work with each other. But having that kind of wiggle room where some of them would, yeah, I'll pay, but, you know, throw me some money kind of thing. That was a nice little touch. Yeah, I, I really liked that. Uh, I think it's Livewire who, like, she's... she's She's always trying to renegotiate her contract hire. Like she's she's like a social climber, basically. Yeah. Like oh, she's keep her around a long I've got time. To, I've got to say, I don't know if we'll do the dream team thing, but she's MVP for me. Just like I'm, I'm never gonna not hire her. I think just because she's yeah. just so cheap, so useful, and yeah, and she's. I mean, she grew on me. Like um, some of the characters, there's always been a thing in the series of some characters you just will find annoying because you know they're they're very personalized and. They're meant uh -huh. to be dysfunctional and some of them are meant to be unpleasant. 
in three, I found a high proportion of them annoyed me personally. But the longer I played it, the more some of them grew on me and others I'm just like, well, I just went higher them. So problem solved, right? Which I think is a fun, it seems weird to turn around on that. I think I actually kind of like that I have such strong opinions about specific characters that I won't work with them, which I feel works for the game because that's my decision to make. You know, I'm not forced to do this. It's just the consequence of them having strong personalities. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of blown away at the sheer volume of script there. They mm-hmm. and the voice cast for the game is pretty extensive, and I think there's like 36 roughly uh, mercs that you can hire. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, there's a whole bunch more that you can just like find in the overworld. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's hey, how many RPGs can boast like 40 fully voiced party members who all have potentially relationships with others. It's Kind of that Mountain Blade thing again. Um, you know, it had a similar thing where everyone has like I think two people they dislike and one they like, but this is much more elaborate than that. And yeah, and it's the fact that it, it there's even stuff that you won't know about. So there'll be mercs who've never met each other, and you hire them, and then you find out, and they find out that they hate each other. Which again, that's a fun kind of complication you have to deal with. Yeah, and also you know they comment on on what's going on in like the story dialogue and mm-hmm. stuff too, which I feel like if, if I just ran through this game again with a completely different team, it would feel like a much different game. Yeah. Not I, only because their combat abilities are different, but just because the amount of like side chatter you get <laughs> during every little side quest is, there's, uh, there's a few, quite of them that, there's a few of them that even got perks that like they can actually do that whole thing this is actually newish to the series there were conversations in the early game but they were quite simple and there wasn't that kind of team interjecting thing going on when you talk to npcs but now you've got a more modern um dialogue system where you get to choose your responses and ask questions and also if you've got a particular person on your team sometimes they'll have not just a comment to make but they'll do that thing of oh i've got a relevant skill i can i can shortcut us through this conversation like if you've got someone who's very good at medicine and that, you know, they can get you through a situation or I think someone like Buns, who is probably one of, again, really strong character, but she's got a negotiator perk where mm-hmm. there's one, there's one town early on where there's a clinic that's not yet open, but if you've got her with you, she will say, Oh, actually, um, they, 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 she just interjects with something that convinces them to open it for you, which is a nice touch. I wouldn't have expected that, but it's a little bonus to have some people in your team. You've got these special skills and perks. Yeah, I remember the the side quest I talked about in my review that was probably the most interesting one I encountered is where you have to get the there's like a street gang of old ladies in one of the towns and you have to get them back together. And it ends up being really helpful because they they're like really good in combat and they help you defend the town uh, when this like big assault comes. But one of them is a psychopath and will only listen to you if you have someone on your team who is also a psychopath. <laughs> so I had to like sort through and find somebody who could relate to this character to, to come in and, and talk to her. Which was That's cute. Oh yeah. The, the coffee beans gang. That, that, that yeah. person is fantastic. I, I especially like the, the one with the machete and you go up to her and she doesn't even talk to you. She just stabs you a little. And if you can hold up, you can stand up to that. She's like, okay, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know about her. That's great. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's uh, so much, there is so, so much side stuff. To even just walking around some of the early towns, you can just talk to all the villagers. And I think their lines are kind of semi-randomized in that 
there's like a random selection from a set list. But you can just talk to them over and over and you can get like seven or eight hints about stuff that's going on in other places, all in one place. And to the extent that personally, I got a bit overwhelmed early on. I'm like, oh, that's, I'll deal with that later. When I get there, I'll deal with it. But whoa, that's, there's a lot going on and you get lots of emails and just, there's loads and loads of flavor text. Now, I'm not, I must admit, if the, I did. I didn't get super engaged with it. it. None of it really spoke to me. But the fact that there's just so much of it. There's so much work has gone into extra little hidden stuff and things to find and discover. And it's sort of, I want to say it's in keeping with the earlier games, but I feel like if anything, there's more of it in three than there is in two and one, or it's more kind of densely packed in there. Because there's so much in Jagged Alliance 2 that you can find, but it's it's that kind of, I need a walkthrough to even find this kind of thing. Whereas here it's just, you just talk to people and they will tell you stuff is happening and you can go out and explore it as an option. Just makes it much less, just makes it much easier to find and engage with, basically. Yeah, the thing is, it is both a a huge game and a really dense one. Like, original, um, the one thing I mentioned in my review on PC Gamer was that in the original game, maps were almost always just like flat planes with some rocks and shrubs yeah. placed and maybe a building that you would climb on top of but otherwise mm-hmm. it was just a, a flat empty plane i was assuming that for the, the sequel that they like do procedurally generated maps no mm-hmm. every single square on the strategic map is a fully explorable map and i think every single one has some kind of secret to it yeah i i, mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with that. and the maps are much smaller i noticed but actually if i I found that 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 hasn't been a problem, if anything, because like you said, in two, it's like so many of those are just, you've got like five minutes of crawling through the undergrowth where there's just emptiness before you get to the fight or you're trying to sneak past it. It's like, this is just tedious walking through a forest. Nothing's going to happen, but I still have to do it. And the fight would be over and the fight would take place in like a 20th of a quarter of the map anyway. Here it's more... It's a bit more condensed, but yeah, everywhere you go, there is stuff to find. There's strange rock formations. There's multiple levels here. And if you go around the corner there, there's stuff to find. And someone, if they've got high enough wisdom, I think it is, they can spot, oh, look, someone's hidden a thing here. And there's just more to do wherever you go, really. it's And yeah, condensed is the word, and, but there's just so much stuff wherever you go. And there's there's very little, when I say there's little downtime, I mean, your characters have downtime, but you don't have downtime where you're just waiting for stuff to happen or where you're just, just schlepping through these sectors. Yeah, I found every, and I want to say that there's oh, there's at least over a hundred like visitable locations. Mm. Um, it was hard to figure it out just by math because there are some that are like water or like impassable mountains. Mm. So you can't the- just Sorry. multiply the x-axis by the y-axis, <laughs> but um. The, there's at least a hundred from like my very quick count. Some and, have underground parts as well, don't they? Which yeah, and like there's a reason to go everywhere, even mm. if it's like there's not just a, a tile that you're just gonna pop into it and there's nothing there. Like even mm. if it's just to gather medicine. I mean, with how often my team got hurt, yes. I was always <laughs> like, I'm gonna make sure that I I collect every medicinal herb from every bush that i come across i flat flat ran out several times and i felt like i had to play very aggressively which isn't a bad thing and like several times i was like Uh people are wounded and doesn't matter next fight we need to push on and because we're out of medicine or because and this is this is another thing that works the design or because yeah i could heal you up but that'll take a day 
and then your contract runs out. So sorry, get in there, you know, <laughs> suck yeah, it up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. not completed a, a full campaign run yet because no, no, no. Um, my most successful run, I was like 26, 27 hours deep. Mm. And there was an event happening on the furthest northern point of the map. And my squad was on the furthest southern point. And it was just a hellful ever death march <laughs> through enemy territory. <laughs> About six fights on the way there. We finally get there, squad fully intact, but everyone's wounded. Yeah. And oh, then no. it turns out that it is a huge set piece wave battle. Oof. And we survived five or six waves before getting taken out. But yeah, I wasn't even mad. That was like the most spectacular way to fail a campaign. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed, like, even when I'm losing, very, I mean, I'm not saying there are no frustrations, but I'm, I'm very, very thinking, well, I got screwed there by numbers. I'm thinking, I got screwed there because I didn't bring enough people or, you know, or I should have, I should not have covered, I should have retreated from that spot and pulled. There was like, I felt like that was more on me than on the game. I don't feel like I'm just getting screwed around more often. I mean, I usually feel that it's my fault or that I can see what I did wrong and I can kind of come back and try. Well, maybe I'll have to reload the game, but. I can, you know, have another go at that rather than just being like, well, I just got to keep trying until my numbers come up. Yeah, I in that case, I absolutely overextend. I, by the time I got there, I had like 100,000 in the bank. I should have fired an entire second mm -hmm. squad. But I didn't. That was on me. I was being greedy and trying to hoard. And yeah, that's bad mercenary leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had like sort sort of the same thing going where I I definitely should have hired a second squad at some point, but I just I got so attached to my my main my alpha team that like I never did and yeah. I I there was there were some dicey situations. I felt like usually as long as I kept like a full stack of veteran militia on all of the like important objective points they could like they'd at least like hang on by a thread with like two guys left and then i could go back and top them up um yeah. I, I think one thing that actually ends up being really effective is if you have your main combat team and then you have a second squad that is just two people with really high leadership and their job is just to go around training militia that's, uh, that's like a really cost-effective way to play. That's so, another reason I'm very yeah. much pro Buns because her negotiator also gets her yeah. better at training, and also she gets a discount on it. So, like, yeah, one of those people. If you just train a load of people, she'll not quite pay for herself, but she will more than make the money up. So, yeah, yeah. Thing um, I love that part of it is that you are making these actual management decisions. It's not just raw. Well, we've got a sniper that will do us sniping. You think? No, I want this person because they can do other things and they've got this character that works with this. And it's just all, it's a lot of it's just kind of, as is this kind of serious tradition, it's all linked together very well. Although right, one right. thing um, that um, Jade Alliance 3 does do different, every single Merc now has a unique ability. Mm -hmm. Before they were just kind of a stat blob with a personality. Now every single character has something that only they can do. Right. Yes. And that can really change how you play. Yeah, absolutely. So initially, I was it was one of those things where I was a bit. I'm not a fine fan of oh, upgrade and get perks, and you've got a special power thing. That's not in game, not generally something that works for me. But here, I felt like that worked, but it also didn't. It didn't complete. It didn't pigeonhole anyone. Like someone's got a useful perk or ability, but it doesn't mean that 
you're just going to use that on them and nothing else. It's just think, oh, it's this little bonus thing that I can lean into if I need to. That was, yeah. Yeah, in the I early definitely... game, I got, I, I got um, a huge amount of use out of um, Omrin, the, um, the hungry, hungry sniper. <laughs> yeah. And his special ability is 360 degree Overwatch. You can just place him anywhere, and if a bad guy moves on the map, they get shot. <laughs> Yeah, I really liked Grizzlies, where he can just be toting around like an MG42, and he doesn't have to set it up. He can just hip fire like yeah. any heavy weapon, which That's is, cool. yeah, really, was, really helpful. I liked, again, I liked Live Wires, a really passive one, but actually this is this is new as well to the game, to the series. Um, one of the things you can do from the main map, you have your, where before and, and in three, you could have your mercs do little tasks while you know, to join downtime, they could do, you know, healing, they could repair items. Um, in this, in Dragon Alliance 3, you can now do scouting. So you, rather than having to manually go and see all these different areas, you can send people with, I think it's high wisdom out to do scouting, and they'll automatically uncover intel and sometimes secrets and little supply stashes in the surrounding area. And that just helps you, that, just, that literally helps you scout the map out. But if you've got intel on an area, if you've got live wire on your team, not even scouting, but just some if you've hired her that mm. intel will then it will translate into a map of where the enemy are on the sector map so you can just know exactly where the enemy are and it's just like that's 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 gold to me that's gold oh, yeah. worth it for that alone basically you can just set up exactly where you need to rather than hope for the best and, but yeah that's another example it's like passive ability you don't even have to do anything with her for her unique ability to be useful you can just sit at the back or she can be at the front shooting or she can be pure support character and it doesn't yeah it's it's just really good stuff I even even something i've even had characters where i just didn't use their perk but it's fine they were still very effective at something else so it's but you've got the option if you want it it's good stuff it really develops that concept that they're all unique without throwing anything out of balance the, the one thing that annoyed me about the scouting mission is it seemed like there was like a 50 percent chance every time i did it that was like also you were attacked by a wild boar and they both got <laughs> wounded <laughs> Oh. <laughs> one did get yeah. wounded a lot it's the thing yeah, it's like you think oh yeah. they're death on meds yeah but now they're wounded <laughs> yeah yeah like just just stay away from the the the, the local wildlife is that yeah. is that so hard but yeah um, yeah i i was going to kind of complain about that in my review until like on my <laughs> my second run that i started like just before mm. actually like penning it um I went and attacked a an enemy diamond um, convoy for money, and during the fight with the the diamond crew, a couple of crocodiles just wandered into the fight, and yeah. they took huge chunks out of like three of my mercs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so that's how it happens. Yeah, yeah. There's also there's some like uh, there are some. Um enemy groups that have like trained hyenas yes <laughs> which yeah those are uh, there was there was one i found that was you get in there and it's 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 an, a group of enemies with trained hyenas fighting against a big pack of wild hyenas <laughs> which was really funny because i just watched them fight i was like all right we're just gonna chill and then we're it's whoever wins this we're 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 versus the winner that's, yeah, that's it's cool. like a knockout tournament yeah so i like as well when you've got like there's a rebel group and one uh, set they're somewhat passive but they will i mean when you first meet them they're fighting the enemy and you know it's yeah. a three-way fight going on and there's a similar 
similarly, when you've high, when you've trained militia, they they stay in sector, but you, it means you've got either when the enemy attack, then the, the militia will do an auto fight and hopefully kill the enemy for you. Or if you're there, they'll be on the map and they'll back you up. And first time I fought with them, it was like there was one guy, this recruit, who I'm just like getting covered, getting covered. But this guy was a fucking champ. I've got to say, he just like he just absorbed so much. Like there was a machine, enemy machine going out. He, this guy was just like. You're gonna shoot at someone, shoot at me. <laughs> he just just took all took this machine gunner's attention the entire fight. Didn't die, and at the end he ran out and he just headshot the leader of the enemy. And he's like this random NPC nobody who's just a statistic, absolutely fucking champ for that fight. And excuse me, I'm swearing a lot. So <laughs> just... Oh, that's fine. Yeah, but yeah, and it's just one of those games that, like, I mean, I'm sure we'll get onto complaints, but like, I can hear you. I'm guessing you have the similar kind of thoughts on it to me in that. I've got whatever complaints I've got. They're kind of just they're overshadowed by just the sheer enjoyment of it. I'm having fun with this, with the shooting, with the with the, just some of the silly little things that happens. And it's not full on story generator kind of game, but it does have that element of you know that one little random moment where your your panicky idiot um, repair person just suddenly stood up and mowed down three enemies, and that changed your opinion of them forever. And that. Even though they're not a particularly good fighter, you move them to the front line from then on, and over time they can their stats improve and they can actually become a good fighter. And it's just that it's got that kind of that kind of replayability where some things are set, but there's enough set bespoke character there that you can kind of you almost get them all these characters little seedlings that you can grow in a direction of your choosing. Yeah, yeah, that's one reason I really ended up liking MD because mm. his. He's his whole personality is like, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Like he's mm. he's very timid and and like uh, and self-conscious. But then his ability is when he does something cool, the whole squad gets inspired. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. And, and he'll be like, wow, I'm really getting the hang of this. And and uh, yeah, uh, he was he was pretty clutch for me um, felt as well. I don't know because if, if, if you run with him a lot. I found out, I, I, I know this was a thing in the second, and I feel like it's a thing in the third, and MD specifically made me think, suspect it. Does he get more confident as time goes on, or was that my imagination? I wasn't sure either, because, um, like, I, I did see some people speculating about that they might get, like, different dialogue as they gain levels, which, yeah, I, I wasn't able to actually figure out if that's the case or I not. Like, but. I don't know if I just got used to him, but early on I felt like I almost yeah. canned MD because he's every time I asked him to do anything, he's like, oh, I don't know if I can, oh, get someone else there. <laughs> and I was just like, man, just try it and shut up. If you fail, you fail, but just do it. I'm paying you, like, two grand. But then after a while, I'm like, I'm trying, I'm off, he's taking really long pot shots, and he's just like, yeah, I think I can do this. And it's like, is that a new thing? That feels like a new thing. And if so, it's like that's that's great because especially for him being this unconfident guy to become kind of somewhat secure in himself, like, that's that's a really cute little touch. Yeah, it it might have it might be that it might be that like it has to do with the background calculation for like how hard the shot is because yeah. I feel like yeah. if I gave him easy shots, he'd be like, oh, there's a pretty good chance I'm not gonna mess this up, and then. <laughs> But if I gave him like a really like long sniper shot, he would he'd be like, "Oh, I guess. Oh, I'll try. Oh, yeah. geez. Oh, golly." But uh, that's yeah. one thing I love about, and this this is a, very much goes back to GA two, and I'd say very closely related to Silent Storm being very much simulationists in that you've got. I mean, it doesn't. First of all, um, 
Jagged Alliance doesn't tell you your chance for hit, but even if it does and you think that's an unlikely shot, but sometimes it's just worth it anyway to just keep mm-hmm. keep shooting at that enemy, keep spraying, keep firing, and you will eventually either get a hit or you'll force them to move. And it feels to me more like a gunfight in that sense that you're not thinking, oh, wait, you know, just move everyone into a position where they've got the perfect shot, but you're like, take the nearest cover you've got, get try and get a good angle, try and move, but just keep shooting, keep the pressure on. Don't worry too much about the numbers, but just think about your position and what cover everyone's in. And and I, yeah, it's just it was worth taking a pot shot sometimes, even if you didn't think you're going to do it, just because you might. Yeah, um, like one big difference between Jagged Alliance and modern XCOM is that yeah, every bullet is a mm-hmm. a physical projectile, and even if you do get the, they released a mod on um, launch day that does um, show you the chances to hit. But those numbers are kind of fake because you're just firing in a cone at mm-hmm. a target point. And the numbers gives you a rough estimate of how much of that cone covers the target. Yeah. But those bullets can still go really wild and hit some unusual things and cause all kinds of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And just, that's the cool thing. You can hit multiple targets. You can. I've actually, I've even had, I've got someone, I think it probably bangs, I can bang on forever. Someone like, sniped a guy and not only killed him, but the guy behind him, it hit him too, which is just like, that's fantastic. Yeah. I want to see more of that in game, in turn-based games. Because so much, I probably will not get into the tangent of how much I hate how every modern pack turn-based game copies just XCOM, where it's, you just, you either hit or you miss. And if you miss, nothing happens. Whereas this mm-hmm. is, you're still firing. You might knock out their cover. You might, you know, frighten them. You might hit someone next to them. You might accidentally hit a barrel two meters away, and that blows up and kills them. And that was like, great, that works. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a situation where I think it was Livewire actually, and she had a burst fire weapon on, and she totally missed the person she was shooting at. But with two of the bullets from that three round burst, she hit two different people <laughs> on the other side of the map. <laughs> That she was not aiming at, like not even the same guy, two different guys, and I just thought that was that was amazing. Yeah, it's fun, and also a nice detail. Like there are some niggles with the U, like some niggling problems with the UI. Like, um, but one thing that's cool is if if like a friendly is in the line of fire, and I kind of will come up and show you. So it's like it's and yeah, and even there's even there's the whole system where. It will, the icon, when you aim at a target, it will list their body parts, you know, their head, their torso, their arms and such. And aiming each one is, well, generally everything is harder to hit than torso, but if you do hit that thing, then you'll inflict status effect or you'll do extra damage. So headshots, more damage. Arms, if you hit them, reduced accuracy. Groin is suppression, which is feels sadistic, but suppressing is really useful. So, so it's really worth going for those riskier shots. But also, each body part can be armoured or not. So sometimes... It's worth going for a sniper's arms because if you hit with them in the body, well, you won't kill them in one shot. So rather than go for the easy body shot, go for the arm shot. So that way they're less likely to hit. But in addition to that, they it will show you if part of them is visible. So you get mm-hmm. a whole list of the body parts, but if only their legs are visible, you can either try and shoot them in the legs, say if they're under a sign or something, or you can try and hit the cover that they're behind anyway and either penetrate it or damage it. You just got all of those options that come from it being, as as Don said, every every shot is real. It's going to hit something, and sometimes, especially in some of the levels, such as just you know shanty towns and villages with very little in the way of sturdy construction, 
you can just blow everything away with machine guns. You don't have to worry about the cover when it's not right. there anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to hear about each of your play styles because how I ended up approaching most missions is I, I basically turned most of my squad just into sharpshooters mm. who would get into cover and then they would spend all of their AP lining up a headshot. And that was just kind of how I did it is like, all right, we're going to just crawl through the map, getting headshot, headshot, headshot. You know, if it turns into a, if they notice us and it turns into a thing where, Oh, they're, they're now coming from all over mm. to fight us. I had, uh, Igor and Grizzly could like switch to their full auto, you know, berserker mode and, and just start, <laughs> mowing people down um but uh yeah I, I felt like it supports a lot of different play styles and i really like that because i don't like a game that's like well you have to have one shotgun guy and one sniper and one yeah. like automatic rifleman or you're going to be putting yourself at a disadvantage yeah that whole thing where you need because it's not class-based i think to a large extent yeah you know you don't need every you don't have I mean, you, there are broad roles that the game sort of lists people as, but that's just like an advisory. Like, oh, this one's a good shot. This one's a good medic. Mm. But it's like, yeah, but you can anyone can do anything essentially. So you, yeah, you don't have to worry, as you said. But yeah, don't yeah um, I, I went with a a very balanced initial group. It was um, steroid fox grizzly omrin. Um, Barry. Barry has a Barry, fantastic yeah. abil ability in that every few days he just crafts um, a couple of unique um, shaped charges, which mm. he's like throwing claymores. Like you can target an entire squad and do ridiculous damage to them. And he's the only person that can throw them because if you give them to any other character, they almost certainly will fuck up. <laughs> Barry, sorry. Yeah, with that squad, um, I turned Fox into a stealth assassin. She would always sneak in, infiltrate. If there's any snipers, she will um, get up to their their points. And even though the UI for it is a little fiddly, it is so good to be able to just in real time sneak up behind a sniper, knife in the neck. Problem yeah. gone. Yeah. You, if you eliminate all the snipers on the map before a single shot is fired, then everything from there on is a cakewalk. <laughs> I had I had Livewire do similar, but she had a silenced pistol, so she would just come right up to the back of them, pop them, and then get out. Yeah, I had um, I had similar to Dominic, but I was you mentioned actually. I'm sure we'll get to this. I had I would generally lead in with stealth and try and take out a few sentries. Uh, I've not yet taken out a full full map with just stealth partly because i mean it probably could happen but it's just it's just too fiddly to do with because when you're doing stealth you're doing it in real time until someone sees you right um, but the problem is you're you have to manage like maybe three people all at once in real time and it's a bit slow and the ideal is to you know have someone walk up with a knife or a machete and then have everyone else cover them so that if it goes wrong so you can only sort of do that because you you have to manually move everyone one at a time, and if they the enemy see them, then that's it. And the UI is all really needs some work there. Um, it's it's a weird one because it's sort of improved over Jagged Alliance uh, Two in that you get indicators and you get a hint when you've almost been spotted. That that kind of standard enemy is suspicious thing happens. 
which wasn't in the older games, but you don't have the ability to just kick off a fight, which I think a lot of people would ask for is, I just want to press a button that says we start combat now because otherwise you're trying to manually do in real time what you'd normally do in turn base. And it's just a bit of a... Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that weirdly enough, um, sneaking up and like coordinated stealth stuff is way easier in co-op because <laughs> two players are moving in real time at once. Yeah. Well, that's what I was I was kind of wishing for is that like there's no way when you're in real time, I can't like set up three different snipers in three different places and be like, okay, this is your target. This is your target. This is your target. And now everybody fire. Like, I really would have loved something like that where we could just like boom, 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 take out three. Yeah, you want that going people at once. And you can kind of almost do it like you can set everyone up in Overwatch, but that depends on all the enemies staying still, which isn't going to happen. And. It's just yeah. quite laborious. And, but yeah, it's funny because they, for the melee, they've got a, a prepare takedown option, which is doesn't it sort of works, but I feel like you need that for everyone in that if you've got a melee weapon equipped and you're walking around in stealth, you can choose a target in advance, and when you get close enough, you'll automatically, automatically attack them, which is like, perfect, but give me that but with guns, please. Like, just everyone wait for the signal kind of thing. But like my, ter- my team was like, start out with uh, my, like, you can build a custom character. It's called like Imp, as in IMP is the name of the service that does it. And it's kind of meant to be you, or you can just create a, you know, whatever character you need. They're normally not, like you can't get 100% stats and everything, but they're normally a um, bit of an all-rounder. But yeah, mine was quite good at stealth. And I also used Ice, whose characterization was just the most bland. Oh, this is a, oh, we need a character in our action film. Let's have a black guy who does like, it's kind of the most generic, oh, I'm a guy from TV who yeah. says lines, that's the comic relief for the, the black guy who's the best friend of the hero. He's like, it was never offensive, but it was just bland. But yeah. as, as a as a fucking as a, as a fighter, he was great. I gave him a machete and he's got two perks. I mean he's got one ability, which is I think anyone can get if they've got high enough agility. When he gets attacked once per combat, he automatically goes prone. So he just drops to the floor and that's it. And he's really hard to hit, which is a real lifesaver, but he's also got, if your melee misses or someone sees you, he's got a special attack that with an automatic weapon, he just targets every body part. Like he takes a shot at everyone's legs and their arms and their groin and their head. So you just, <laughs> you just get like a, a one shot, which one attack, which can inflict three or four status effects at once. So he's great because he's strong. Hit him the machete, they'll probably die. If not, if they shoot you back, you're going to drop to the floor and on your turn, you're going to tear them apart. So he was like my opener, coupled with my imp character who was good at throwing knives. And then the rest was kind of, I mean, a bit of an all-rounder thing, a bit like Dom. Like I had someone, I had buns for sharpshooting, but also she was quite good at just whipping out a pistol and knocking out a few people. And Livewire or Barry and MD all together were like, they were the kind of backup people to just cover and just spray bullets at anyone who got past that initial attack so but it's you can kind of just i like as well that when your team gets split up because some are some are healing or they're off doing a side quest or something you can just you've got three random people left over you think okay let's make this work i think we can take this base out and just kind of staple together some plan that works for them like well you're normally the the snark sharpshooter but we've got a shotgun now so why don't you try shotgunning <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Oh, go ahead. Over the course of my um, campaign, um, the steroid dice, um, I wasn't really sure what to use him as because his like big ability is he can punch things. 
and that's <laughs> yeah. that's pretty good but also a single burst from us like a regular enemy grunt is still going to take off like two-thirds of his health and he's very slow i never hire him because he's just so slow yeah, yeah i i really didn't use people whose main ability was a melee thing because that's it's just not my play style like my play my play style is if you get closer than medium range i have already done something very very wrong <laughs> like I've, I've already messed up if you're within three squares of me and you're not dead yeah, so that was my my um thinking at first and then i tried to lean into what steroid would be so as he leveled up i gave him more perks um there's a perk that if he ends the turn out of cover he gets like um an extra like 20 hit points of like free damage reduction <laughs> and if he is in melee range of an enemy or like within like three turn three tiles of an enemy he gets another um 20 hit points mm-hmm. and then i just stacked all of my armor on him and he could actually tank he could just <laughs> walk in punch yeah, people on. pull out he's a shotgun cool. and finish them off yeah, that's it. He's that always, is he's... pretty funny. It, that would be f- like to set him up with like late game, like riot armor with ceramic plates. Would, send, would in, be very send in the heavy. But yeah, yeah, that's that's great though because I hadn't even thought of that. Like, yeah, how his perk is something. If you lean into it, yeah, he becomes he can do something that you know you couldn't really do in J two because you didn't have those special abilities. That's great. But um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there are some def- definitely some of the mercs, though, that were like, I just like, I, I mean, like you mentioned ice or I think Igor is another one where just like his personality is Russian. Mm-hmm. It's like back in like the old, like old, old school wrestling days where like your entire character would just be yeah, a- an ethnicity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, those are the ones where I was like, yeah, all right. Like I get I get that they're they're kind of consciously leaning in. To like the tropes of '90s action movies, but the some of them, the humor just didn't hit for me. Yeah, so. that that's the thing. Like I, when I talked to my review about the it being unfunny, and I think I perhaps made the the writing sound worse than it is. It's by no means terrible writing. It's mostly fine, but it often tries to be funny, and it just often is not. Like I can see the joke you're going for, but it's just doesn't. It's just it's old, and it doesn't really work. But it's I think. One of the big things with the game is um, the tone of the writing changes depending on how veteran the mercs are. Mm. Like the, the the really cheap mercs are the B team. They are the weirdos. Yeah. And See, that's all you... I ever used. So. Yeah, I, I like them because they're cheap, but they're still, I mean, if you shoot a guy, you shoot a guy. I don't need you to shoot him and do a backflip, you know? <laughs> yeah, the, the higher rank ones tend to be a little more straight laced and professional, and oh, interesting! As you'd expect yeah. from veterans, the ones That's where the... you have to you have to sign up for Twitter Blue to recruit like the really top level. Another reason why I didn't really do because it's like I got an email. You know, oh, special bonus for this subscription! Like, I don't subscribe to things in real life. I'm not going to do it in a game. <laughs> like, and I I need my money, and that's another reason I like the uh, the lower level ones. So a you can level them up, and B. They're cheap. They're so cheap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can I think... have one really good guy, or I can have four slightly rubbish guys, and if they shoot enough, sooner or later they're going to hit. <laughs> I think there there is like some relationship between their stats and how much they ask for when you renew mm. their contract. 
because uh, I did notice it was like steadily going up the more yeah. that I trained those. That's, so. Yeah, that's that's true of the older games as well. Like, I mean, they, yeah. they explicitly say actually. Well, I think it's when they level up. Say, hey, you know, I've, my rates have gone up. Well, one thing that's neat I liked as well that you can now rather than hire them for just a day or a week or two weeks, you can do exact days, which is a small thing, but that's a nice little quality of life feature. But that brings us to, if you don't mind me taking that. Yeah, go for it. I think um, I think we probably all had some issues around the UI. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. It, there was, I think that in a lot of cases, I just wanted the UI to be half the size. Mm. I yeah, I... Same info, but smaller windows. Yes, yeah. I mean, like the laptop in particular, which is where you do your, was where you hire your Mercs and where you check emails and get notes and essentially where you do some of your planning. But I think that the the laptop takes up your whole real life screen, but the text that you're reading when you open your email takes up maybe 10, 15% of the screen. Yeah. Really, really bad. And congrats if you're going for like modern internet feel, but it's set in, I think, the early 2000s, where no, the internet was readable then. <laughs> yeah, it, like... I feel like I've had I've seen so many bad strategy game UIs this year that like this one didn't stand out to me as particularly bad, but there are definitely some spots where it could use some work. Um, got a folder on my computer of photos I've taken of my little finger up against the screen <laughs> where the text is. It's very often like the text yeah. in a game is smaller than the tip of my fingertip for my fingernail. This wasn't uh, quite that bad, but it's it's one of those things that yeah, it could just do the just the, I mean, it looks fine as the terms of appearance when you look at this, but all fine. But just in terms of when you're trying to use it, it's awkward. And it's similar with, I think Dom, you said um, we were talking about the inventory screen, which in some ways I think improved over the older games, but it's also quite chunky. And I found that, okay, well, the inventory works in a funny way. Like you've got an overall, you've got a kind of, um, you don't have like a base at any point. But any sector you're in, you can just put stuff in a stash, like leave it somewhere, which is a kind of abstracted screen where it's not actually, it's somewhere on the map, but it's, everything that's on the map, on the floor or in a box or whatever, it gets kind of displayed on the overall map as here is the stash, here's everything in the sector. And you can leave stuff in that stash. But then when you've got, you've got your mercenaries, they've got a shared squad inventory for stuff like ammo and medical supplies, but not for weapons or armor or any equipment. And they, they pull ammunition from that when they need to, like in between missions, which is great. But then you need to distribute that between the new mercenaries so that they can reload in combat. And it gets really awkward because there's no way to easily do that. And then when you've got multiple squads, each squad has its own squad inventory. So you've got to split all your ammunition between every squad and then again between every character. And then potentially you've got to do it again because you've moved to a different sector and you've picked up new things. And it's just, there's a lot of labor and a lot of fiddliness to it that some parts of it, they remove magazines, for example, so you don't have to worry about how many magazines everyone's carrying. Everyone just has X bullets and pops up as needed. But you, to actually give them those bullets, you have to faff around so much that it, yeah. I was having in the same amount of time, just in inventory screens, getting annoyed and just saying, screw it, I'm just going to leave all this stuff on the floor because I'm. I'm tired of thinking about it. And things like um, repairing items, really important. You've got to do a lot. You can only repair what you're wearing and only what's within the squad, which is a nightmare because then you've got to move everyone's stuff back and forth and then you've got to repair it and you've got to make sure this person doesn't leave the sector because then you can't repair it. And it's just really needs a rework just from 
just from a user usability perspective. Yeah, that's that's part of why I didn't end up running multiple squads, except Ooh. for my squad that just existed to train militia, basically. And like, I got to a point where it was just like anything I'm not using. I had like a backup weapon for everybody. I had their main loadout slot, their secondary loadout slot, and then they have like they have an extra gun in their backpack or a melee yeah. weapon or something. And I just broke everything else down for parts. Like yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to worry about keeping weapons equipped that like weren't in my inventory. Yeah. Like that was just too much management for me. That is a good yeah. solution to be that to its credit. That's new to the series because in two, the only yeah. thing you could do is leave them there or you could carry them to the specific sector and sell them. Uh, which yeah. being, but in three, it's like you can break it into parts. If you don't, if you've got three extra AK 47, break them into parts, easy decision. Yeah. And then in a few turns, in a few fights, you might think, oh, I can turn that into a, a scope or a, a new stock for this other rifle. So that's, yeah. that, to its credit, that's a good system. And that does partly solve that problem, but just moving I, stuff around is a real pain. The other yeah, UI, they're oh, saying ahead. a lot of um, good things. Um, yeah. The, the um the weapon mod system is mm. just you could get mods for weapons and attach them as inventory items in Jagged Alliance 2, but this new system is just a lot more elegant and mm. I found myself customizing my gear so much more often. There's it, even as... someone I can't remember who it is, but someone gets a I think it's Vicky actually. She's a repair person who's quite good in a fight, but if she gets a bonus if her weapons are a hundred percent modded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there. It's. I really like the the mod system overall. Like, I like that. Uh, like, there's different tech levels. Some of them just require spare parts, and then some mm. of the higher level ones require like lenses or even microchips. Mm. But they're not like plainly better. Like the really high tech scopes mm. are like they're 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 kind of a side grade. Like yeah. there still would be reasons to run the lower tech mods over the yeah. higher tech ones. See, I, having played a lot of Hunt Showdown yeah. in particular, I love my iron sight guns. I'm very, generally, I'm anti-scope, I'm anti-laser sight. I'm just like, no, if you can't shoot, then just <laughs> just go away, you know? If you can't do it without all that stuff, then you don't belong here. Which is funny, because I heard all the worst shooters. But, but I yeah, but even, <laughs> so, even I was like, no, I'll, I'll give this person a little, um, this, there's quite niche bonuses, like, oh, this gives you extra accuracy at the maximum aim level, or this, means you fire more shots when you do burst fire and well this is just straightforward stuff like yeah basic um scope or here's a uh try a bipod for you know if you've got a heavy machine gun and just lie down and that gives you more stability with it and but it was it was very um what's the word intuitive um as opposed to trying to scour the map looking for the scope you need you just think well we need a, a lens which we'll probably find somewhere or buy and then get one of our uh, techs to you know just install that on a I don't know, an M14, for example. <laughs> yeah, the the one other thing with like inventory management and even like finances that that kind of bugged me is like there aren't you, you can't really just like sell and buy mm. stuff whenever you want. There yeah. are you go to specific cities and there are a specific market stalls where it's like one I have, day, I have a specific it? shotgun or I have a specific amount of a specific caliber of bullet. And you can do that once. I don't know if it refreshes after a certain amount of time. I didn't really check. I don't know if it's every day, but I have gone back. And it's like, oh, they've got another okay. item. And it's like, yeah, but to even do that, I have to go back there. I have to load them yeah. up. And it's like, can you not just phone me and say what you've got? Yeah. 
It's like I have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars just sitting in my bank account. Can I not just hire up like order up some five, five, six NATO ammo? Like, like yeah. where are the arms deal, the local arms dealers? I, I understand maybe they might want to do it for like balance reasons, like they want ammo to have some scarcity and you can craft ammo to a certain extent and you, got, um, you need gunpowder and such which yeah, is yeah you have to like have a workshop which they only exist at certain specific places on the map yeah um, that's one of the big right. differences from jade alliance too because so one of the things that they really cut down was all the stuff you could do on the the fake internet yes there were so many websites in jade alliance too and you can try and go to them in free, but you get a 404 page. And mm. the most used one, of course, was you could order guns and yeah. ammo and yeah. have them shipped into the country. And occasionally you would find that half your items have been stolen and then you'd <laughs> um, have someone punch the um, the guy at the airport and he'd maybe give you the items that he took. Yeah. Well, what I love well, this, is, this is 2001, so it's after the dot com bubble burst, so we don't have the same well, options for. Maybe yeah. I just don't deliver to Grand Sean. Like, um, yeah. like, what I loved in two, and going back to two, is that, yeah, there's the guy at the airport who steals. You can actually kill him. Do you think problem solved? But his replacement isn't corrupt, but he is incompetent, I and mean, he will lose entire shipments, which is just. <laughs> you know. But to be fair, I mean, three has de- seems to have details that work similarly to that. And one thing I, okay. This is going to sound like a weird question, but you know, the first town you liberate in sort of the tutorial island is, uh, I think it's Ernie. Did anyone find that some random enemy patrol retook that? And you just kept looking at it and thinking, I don't care enough to go back and retake it. (laughs) Because that was occupied by the enemy, by like four guys for most of my game, because I I don't have the time to go back there and I'm not really losing much by them have, and i'm not I'm, I'm the worst because you know these people are under these occupy this occupying an army i'm just like yeah but sorry you're not paying me enough <laughs> well that's yeah, the thing you are slightly amoral mercenaries at the best of times that's true yeah yeah there i ernie was i had like a I had like veteran militia there so i don't think it ever got retaken because i would usually i'd go back there to like train up a couple more guys if they lost some of their militia and then i'd yeah. do like an rnr there but yeah that's the one that the only one that's not tied to a mine so i don't think anything bad actually happens if you yeah. just let i think there are some side quests. Take you, it. You go back there stuff yeah. i just i didn't have any i mean this thing my press thing was i was always i was never running at a loss but i was always just like i, I want a buffer i want the financial buffer so i was kind of almost living hand to mouth in that i was just like give everyone yeah. their, Days and I'll be like, we've got to keep pushing. We need more stuff. We need more diamonds. We need more brand. Oh, yeah. another thing, Livewire is good for her bonus to hacking means she you get more money yep. when you hack stuff. So she pays for herself. So we need to send Livewire out to hack stuff. And you can hack a rotary with. phone. I guess she's doing the Captain Crunch thing. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah. yeah. Ernie, I kind of, I kind of annoyed me because there's that quest early on where it's like Pierre's father is like, oh, my son joined the Legion and. I just want you to 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 try to bring him home, and then you go meet him, and you kill you, him. yeah. Well, and I I like beat him up, like I actually like used non lethal weapons on him, and then like if you let me go, I'm going right back to the legion, and I'm gonna kill yeah. you later. And it's like, all right, well, I'm not gonna let you go back to the legion, and I shot him. 
And then his dad is really upset at you forever, which I guess is fair enough, but it's like, you literally said nothing about me will change if you let me survive this encounter. So interestingly, perspective the other branch of that quest is interesting because if you do let him live then the major is like yeah you failed me i'm sending you out to the prison camp and pierre's story continues out at like the far really um northwestern prison camp that's cool that was such a brutal map and I, the, I might do that next time just because then I wouldn't spend the rest of the game hearing everyone go, oh, they killed Pierre. Yeah, they killed it's, Pierre. It's the, the guys him. who killed Pierre, get him. Like, apparently he was really popular. Yeah. He should be president. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, actually a challenge, like pop quiz. Sorry, we're watching Speed in the at the moment. What's the president's name in this game? LaFontaine? Yeah, La, LaFontaine. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't remember his first name. Uh, it's just me then. I couldn't. I could never remember anyone's name in this game, apart from Pierre. Yeah. Uh, that's my. That's just me not paying attention because I just you, you give me so many side quests and I'm oh saying that Corazon Santiago, which I think is a reference to Alpha Centauri. So that's interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of being semi-immoral mercenaries, <laughs> kind <laughs> of just yeah, working for this like diamond baron. <laughs> Yeah, and they point that out early on, don't they? Like, I think um, the communists, they want control of the diamond mine. So they're like, oh, that's okay, we just want this one. So leave us that one. And Uh I'm like, well, to be honest, do you want to, like, team up? (laughs) Well, that's, (laughs) yeah, that's kind of what I wish you could do. But, Mm -hmm. yeah. I would be asking a lot, though. But, like, no, I didn't think that a communist path, a communist yeah, yeah. ending. But, but I appreciate that there is like um early on it's like, yeah, this game knows that, you know, this this diamond company is in it for the diamonds. They don't care about uh-huh. the rest of this. Like they're not they're not the goodies. And you're I mean you can perhaps make things better, but you're not there to do that. So Well you've been explicitly hired by the president's daughter who is the, not working for the diamond company. True, but but she's being funded by the diamond company. Right. Mm. So you quite, are like one degree of yeah. and the implications from like, the bad guys. If you were to say to the diamond company, "Well, off you go. We've got the mines back." You just know they're gonna they're gonna get someone else in to just you're you're yeah. gonna be defending against the mercenaries <laughs> invading the country. Then, like, well, there's even there's a choice with like that diamond mine in like the top left, which mm-hmm. you found at find is being run by slaves, basically. Oh, yeah. And then the main guy, when you beat him, he's like, hey, hey, keep me around as an overseer. I'll keep him in line. We'll pay him this time. But you can Mm. you can, you know, I'll get more out of him. And I was like, no, absolutely not. I like as well that early on you meet with probably early on. It depends, which is another thing you can do things. Although you could conceivably just go straight to the far edge of the map and ignore the early stuff. But um, I appreciate it's like an organized crime guy who's clearly bad news. But he explicitly says, no, these guys, they use slave labor. Get them. Do what you want to them. And I'm yeah. like, okay, fair. I appreciate that little... And you can still just attack him and do what you like. And it's it's like that with pretty much everyone. In fact, there's a there's one character in... I won't even say which, but there's there's one character who's clearly meant to be... A, I mean, I think she's literally called Karen, but she's a parody of the stereotypical, arrogant American who's uh-huh. just going around being racist and demanding. And you can just kill her and... Um, it does. You do lose loyalty from the town, but then you talk like the local. I think it's the local shaman. He's like, "Oh, thank you." 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I, think... I think that um, they they generally handled it being set in a war-torn African country fairly well. Like they got the right studio with it. They went with the Tropico developers. And yeah. they have been doing slightly tongue-in-cheek tropical nations with troubles before. And they never forget that these are humans and yeah. everyone has their own problems. Yeah, that's the thing. I mentioned in my reviews, like I was I wasn't a hundred percent comfortable, but I didn't ever find anything that's oh, this is really bad. But it's there's just I just I guess I was a bit ah, this isn't this isn't Jagged Lines' fault, but I thought I'd have liked to see something I don't know. Maybe I'd have liked to see a more a less kind of backwards uh, nation, you know, but that's not really fair because yeah. is this is a war torn land and it yeah, of course it is not because it's in Africa, but like the other entries in the series, it's a very poor nation that's got one industry that keeps it afloat, and that's what's being fought over. And it's not really fair of me to give the game a hard time for that. Um, and a bit to its credit, like there's a lot of variety within its environment. So there's you know there's the jungle, there's the really beautiful sandstone areas, there's the just the outback style, well the desert, and there's the little shanty towns you get here and there, and it's all kind of like you know you've been here to Africa. This kind of Af- this these parts of Africa or fiction Africa in games lots of times before, but you know, it's a game about mercenaries fighting over some backwater. So um, it's unfair of me to give it a hard time for that. But it's kind of a shame not to see like a more just something a bit more novel in terms of. But then, but I'm thinking of like um, Dragon Lines too. Then it was very much the same there, except it was Central South America. So it is in keeping with the tone, as you said, Dom. It's like it's tongue in cheek. They know that this is a you know, this isn't this is a parody of various things. It's not it's not um it's not ignorant, it's just kind of, you know, it is what it is. It's based on it's based on stereotypes. Stereotypes is the wrong word, but it's based on common sorry, I can't I'm really not expressing Yeah. It well it is it is like I did feel like there was some tonal whiplash sometimes where like yeah, yeah. they're trying to portray yeah. this conflict kind of respectfully, but then also it's you have all this wacky stuff going on. Like, I mean, some of the enemies have like the big African tribal masks for like yeah. the lieutenants and stuff, which that's like that's borderline. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe somebody that, who is from Africa could tell me like this is the thing. Does that bother you? But this is the thing. I'm not at all qualified. You know, I'm a white person right. who I'm yeah. not qualified. But I didn't think find anything. There's a few things that I found a bit, Oosh, but it's like, well, I mean, yeah. I'm to the local shame and he's got his big mask on. But yeah, but that is that is a thing in some places. And it's like, well, there's no formal healthcare here. And of course, people only go to the local guy who's a witch doctor. And he actually does know his stuff. He knows local remedies. He knows which herbs are going to help for this. And it's like, well, fair enough. Um, I, I, I think I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because I don't think any of it feels malicious or hateful or, like they're trying to be edgy. It just feels very sincere. And I feel like the devs have really gone. They definitely mean well. And they feel like they've at least give, they've tried to make this not too serious. And they've tried not to yeah. be yeah. insensitive. There's a lot of studios I would not have trusted to do this. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Pyramont are one of the few because they have been, this is their bread and butter, the entire subject matter of like, yeah, I mean, third world countries with, complex problems yeah that are played for laughs but not in a but because this is a fictional place this is a nonsense place look at this comedy situation rather than oh aren't these countries funny rather than yeah it just feels like the positive intent is there i think 
Well, they don't do the typical like Africa is, you know, mud huts and grass skirts yes. thing. Like yeah. you do go to the capital at one point and it looks like a modern city, which most yeah. major African cities do. Obviously, there's a lot of people living in poverty, but, you know, there there's a mission where you have to defend the governor's mansion and it looks mm. like, you know, a modern building yeah. surrounded by modern shops and stuff so. and there is there's one i can't remember this town but there is one town there's all these beautiful sandstone buildings which are clearly mm-hmm. and it's like yeah fair play that's you know it's it's run down because the country's not in a good place but it's like yeah that's a that's a nice city that you get in africa or you know even parts of southern spain so yeah that's that's yeah. Good stuff. yeah um any final thoughts? Who who would you recommend this game to? Uh, things we might have missed. People who hate XCOM. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's the. I, I was gonna ask you about that because you you did mention uh, you wanted to to uh, be the the uh, token XCOM hater. Yes. Yeah. Well, this discussion. Being strictly speaking, I don't hate the modern XCOM games. I very much respect what they did. Apart from anything else, uh-huh. I get that they single handedly revived the turn based strategy tactics genre my issue is that almost every game since then has copied them directly all their systems everything you know the two actions per turn you can move and shoot or you can just shoot the the perks thing the way the cover system works just and i'm this is one of the reasons i'm really glad that jagline's three although it obviously takes a few cues from that which is fair it's a good design it's a modern standard it's 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 also distinct from it. It's got like it's more simulationist is the big thing for me. It's kind it's the first real successor to the Jagged Alliance Silent Storm line of design, which is that every bullet fired is a bullet fired. You've got granular movement and um aim and it's but yeah, but I'd recommend it to people who like turn-based tactics but are tired of playing XCOM again because it does things differently. And you need to be willing to kind of engage with that and accept that. Well, it's it's there's going to be it's going to play a little differently there might be some friction if you come at it expecting it to play exactly the same way but if you played XCOM then you know essentially what to expect and yeah that's something I brought up in in my review is that um if you are familiar with XCOM it is very easy to start with Jagged Alliance 3 mm-hmm. because they have I mean we didn't really talk about it there's a lot of like really fine-grained simulation stuff that they have stripped out from Jade Alliance 2. Yes, yeah. Jade Alliance 2 had like like true line of sight. Your, whatever your character was looking at was what they saw. And there was like a modifier. If you held alt when moving, you would have your characters like strafe sideways mm-hmm. rather than like turn and then move. It It was really fiddly and there was a stamina bar and you had to manage that and like water consumption and there was a morale bar which changed a whole lot of things and they've boiled that down to like morale is a simple like plus or minus action point modifier now yeah yeah and is more of a a strategic map thing and stamina same thing and every character now has 360 degree vision they've They've trimmed it down in smart ways. They have yeah. removed the incredibly fiddly parts that made small encounters a pain to play through. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and it just makes it so much more accessible for anyone familiar with the genre as it stands today. And I think that's really smart design. Mm-hmm. 
I, yeah, absolutely agree. There's ways, and in, you know, on the other map as well, there's a few things that are just a bit more streamlined. And for every complaint I've had about things being a little bit fiddly, JA2 was way fiddly. I was just more used to it. Um, even something simple as the facing, like in Jagged Alliance 2, if you were looking through a doorway, someone could walk up behind you and stab you in the back. And then that's not happening JA3 because, I mean, it's never relevant. It, it didn't add anything to have to like manually tell your person, okay, now look left. Okay, now look right. Now look, it's just... It taking that out was yeah, as you said, smart design improves the game, removes very little. If you're an absolute purist and you desperately wanted a game that's identical to JA two, well, you're you were never going to like anything because that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love XCOM as well, but I feel like I got into like a rut, especially in XCOM two, mm. where I just figured out like a yeah. tactic that worked most of the time, which is yeah. just to put everyone in overwatch and then have the sniper initiate the battle and then they all run in and they all get shot and you know that within four squares this guy will hit that and then he yeah. gets to do that cover and you've got almost like a, a formation you just put everyone in and that's yeah. the, wherever they come at you you're going to win whereas i tried that in jagged alliance 3 where like you have put everyone in overwatch and then have somebody take the shot to start the battle. And that, that usually doesn't work. <laughs> At least on a lot of maps, it does not work. Um, if, if you have a lot of melee guys, it sometimes can, can work, but I often found I had to actually think about, okay, move and fire. I've got to find a flanking angle. You should try more SMGs because they don't hit very hard, but you've got the run and gun ability. I did really like, I did give, eventually I gave Igor a modded out MP5 and just mm. had him do the run and gun thing. And so that did work really well. Yeah. Which is yeah. for listeners, that's if you've got an SMG, one of the attacks you can do is you just pick a spot you can move to it and your Merc will run there. But along the way, they'll do a couple of burst fire shots. And Yeah, that's um, another thing completely new for this one. Yeah. Um, every um, weapon um, class has a unique ability, as well as every merc having a unique ability. So, so there's again, like more interesting tactical options. Mm-hmm. Oh, and quickly, so, sorry, we're just after the we're doing an epilogue of right after the final thoughts. But even sure. things like there's free move now, so every character can get free move. So we even before you spend any action points, which themselves vary from character to character, but you just get you can always be moving, which literally keeps the fights moving. But it means you don't have that thing where everyone just picks their spot and then sits there to the end of the fight. You can everything can be a bit more dynamic and the enemy move around much more. And that plays into Overwatch being used much more uh dynamically. And there's even a character Mouse who's very stealthy. She can ignore Overwatch, which is amazing because Mouse is great. Yeah. 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 Um... yeah, yeah sorry, interrupt going back on the final thoughts there. Um I think I think this is this is one of the best turn-based shooters I've played for years, and it is, it's. I think it is. I mean, I think it is, absolutely deserves to be called Jagged Alliance Three. You know, we've had several games that were kind of spin-offs that didn't really feel like the early games, and they weren't particularly good. This feels like this is. I don't think it'll be as influential as XCOM, Fire Axis XCOM, but it, this is the the equivalent of that to J Two. This is the Fire the the modern remake that brings it into the modern era, makes it relevant again that we were hoping for. Even with its flaws and shortcomings and all, I wish they'd done this. I think it's very successful and I'm really impressed. Yeah. And my final thoughts is I've been waiting 24 years for a good sequel <laughs> to this. Mm. And I got it. I, I had basically seen nothing about this game going into it because I had my will had been broken. 
I, there have been far too many bad attempts and I just didn't care anymore. And then they assigned it for me to review and wow, this is really good. And okay, this is a, a bit of a, a deep cut, but um, I would recommend this to anyone that played Phoenix Point and thought that it was a bit dry because it is mechanically very similar as in you are dealing with like physics-based aiming and uh, more granular world map stuff. But with every single Merc being like a fully fleshed out RPG character and there being like 40 plus of them, this has like all of the character of XCOM at its best, but all of the tactical and strategic depth of Phoenix Point. That's a good comparison. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think this one gets a pretty pretty emphatic 3MA seal of approval. Um, I'm I'm happy to be able to just be able to say, yeah, that there's a this is a really good tactics game that came out this year. I like being able mm -hmm. to tell people that one of <laughs> like, the better yes, games. it is it was worth the wait. So yeah, one of the better games of the year, I think, certainly. Like definitely. It's it's up there. Um before we get out of here, uh Sin, did you have anything to plug writing-wise? Anything you've been working on recently? Uh, nothing, really. I'm still continuing my strategy column that Rock Paper Shotgun. The only thing I would plug for viewers is if uh, if you meet a Tory MP, punch him in the mouth. <laughs> it's, it doesn't really happen that often for me living in the <laughs> States, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, Dom, did you have any, any particular pieces you wanted to uh, highlight? Um, I want to just second that recommendation of punching in for the MP. And also, um, yeah, check out my um, work at PC Gamer. You find my name, click it. I, my, I have a very SEO-optimized name. If you type in Dominic Tarrison anywhere on the internet, you'll find me. And right. I'm especially proud of the big um, indie sales roundups I've been doing. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, they're having to do every few months, and I just go on a deep dive for like 20 incredibly undersold but cool games that you can get for a pittance. Sorry to interrupt you again, but just uh, I've done sort of similar work to that in the past. It's a lot of work, and Dom it really is. does it. It does yeah. really, it sounds all really fun. It is kind of fun, but so much of it is just, just hard work, and Dom really cuts out all that hard work for you. Really good taste. Great. Great one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any, yes, any... It, it takes me forever. That, the last one took me like five, uh, five days of hard work. Anytime you're doing a roundup of games to recommend, like you, you, you have to play a lot of games you would not recommend for every one that you do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of work to put those together. Um, yeah. Uh, three moves ahead is hosted on the idle thumbs network. You can head over to idlethumbsnet slash three MA. Uh, check out other cool shows. Join the discussion on our forums. They still exist. Uh, you know, if, if you're into the, the Jagged Alliance 3 style early 2000s internet, yeah, we have forums. Uh, um, we're also supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash 3MA. You can get access to our Discord, our exclusive multiplayer community, and bonus episodes. I believe the next one is going to be, uh, we're going to, we're going to experiment with we've done historical books like we've done historical movies. I think we're going to try to do some games that are not strategy games, but do have like a history 
um, element to them. And I think the first one we're going to do is Pentiment, uh, which is a game I've been excited to talk about for a long time. Um, so, yeah, that's something to look forward to. Uh, what else do I usually say at the end of the show? We're at 3ME on Twitter until it collapses into insolvency, which is looking closer and closer all the time. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, thanks to our Patreon producers, including, uh, Mark M and Bucktown, the party whip of 3MA multiplayer RTS sessions. Uh, and I think that's going to do it. Um, be back soon with another episode. Um, but for Sin and for Dom, this is Len saying good night. <laughs>